0: Hey everyone, it is Jim. Um, I have not done one of these things in quite a long time, so I thought I would have another go at it. How you doing? It has been, yeah, close to a month since I last did this. Anyway, yeah, the still in quarantine, still doing a shelter in place. Um, I've actually been getting out quite a bit. I, uh for other reasons, had to fix my car. I don't remember how much of this I've said. I've actually done a lot of these recordings and just, I haven't published any of them because they all end up veering unintentionally into massively personal stuff. So I'm probably going to repeat myself here, but, uh, fixed up my car and car is, uh, I assume that's a pretty good form of PPE. I don't actually know. I, I just assume, uh, you know, you can cruise around without a mask on and your windows are up. As long as you don't roll down the window and like, cough into someone else's open window, it's probably, you're probably good. Just keep the recirculated air within the car. Don't bring in outside stuff. Uh, keep your windows up. It seems fine. Especially if you're out driving during the day, UV light, UV light kills it, as we all have heard. So, um, yeah, I'm over on the, uh, I'm actually sitting in my car right now. It's like um, podcasting from, uh, yeah, where am I right now? I'm on the west side of the city. I'm just above Ocean Beach, uh, looking down. Can, there's a place where you can park your car uh, and just kind of look out over the ocean. And uh, right now I'm looking at Seal Rocks. If you guys know where those are, they're over by Cliff House and uh yeah just watching the waves it is gorgeous um i've actually come over here every single day this week uh to run on ocean beach uh that's nice Uh that's much better than just going out and running in the uh embarcadero close to where i live i mean that's just uh you can't really do social distancing there it's um I don't know, like half the people I run into make no effort to get out of your way. Some people like actually will veer towards you. Half the people don't even have masks on. Uh it's it's weird. But Ocean Beach is from from what I've heard, you know, there's pictures of the beaches in Los Angeles, uh absolutely loaded with people. Nobody's doing what they're supposed to do. Ocean Beach has uh I don't know, maybe maybe a, i, I want to say like maybe a 100 people on the whole stretch it is a long beach and there there have not been very many people on it this week uh so i, I came over here to uh jog and uh i got here a little bit later th- today than i did the last few days so it's like high noon sun's out in full force uh i don't have sunscreen on i should probably spray some of that on me and uh, so I'm I'm going to kind of wait for noon to pass a little bit. I'm killing some time in my car just just looking out over the ocean. Um, yeah, I am loving this. Uh, and I'm going to enjoy it. Let's see, it's July 2nd. I know that tomorrow, hell, the rest of this weekend, I'm not going to be able to come over. Like, Ocean Beach has been manageable. Like, it's been easy to keep social distancing uh, this week. I know that's not going to be true tomorrow and the 4th. And the rest of the fourth weekend, I'm probably, when I come over here, it's probably going to be nowhere to park. It's just going to be ridiculous. So I'm getting my fill in now. Yeah, I'm enjoying appreciating being able to run inside of the Pacific Ocean and it's baby blue. Well, everything. It's all, it's all just blue. Um, yeah, actually what I've had to do is like, that actually won't motivate me. Like, I'm going to go run on the beach because it's maybe a five-mile five, five mile drive over here. And it's not like there's a highway. You basically just have to cut across the city of San Francisco somehow. You have to get across Market Street. If you're familiar with the, the, the layout of San Francisco, like, so where I am, there's like a grid of streets, uh, which is south of Market. And the streets are... are you know perpendicular or parallel to market street now once you get north of market street the grid just shifts diagonally um, so it's basically i have to cut across that market street cuts across um the city like um what am i trying to say here northeast to southwest So it cuts down and to the left on a map and so I'm on the, the right side of that and I've got to get over that and then over across the city. And, you know, it's, you have to, you have to negotiate that and you have to, um you know, make your way block by block on one of some, some road uh, that has a lot of traffic lights on it. So it's not like it's easy to get over here. It's like a 30 minute, 45 minute drive just to get to the beach. Um So honestly saying, Hey, I want to, like I want to get uh, up and go around on the beach. Like that's not actually enough of a draw for me. So I found uh, like a bookstore over on this side of town, which is open and has some has really good stock of stuff. So I've been like bringing over boxes of books and selling them, getting trade, and then picking up a few new things I've been looking for. Um, a lot of Carl Young. And that's kind of I'm using like the gravitational pull from that to get me over here, and then I kind of like adjust my trajectory uh, with the gravitation and just kind of fling myself over towards the beach. And then I, you know, change into my running gear and run along the, uh, yeah, run along the beach. It is delightful. And uh, actually the only reason I can make that work is because where I'm sitting right now, it's, it's uh, basically like parking for Land's End, which is um, a beautiful little park on the, on the north, uh, northwest side of the city. It's like San Francisco's little Pacific Northwest. There's like lots of greenery. It's like the one place in the city you can go and you can just get lost in woods and kind of forget that you're in the middle of a in the middle of a city. Even better than Golden Gate. Uh it's lovely over here. But they got a couple porta potties set up. And normally, like the way I am, I have to stay hydrated to function. And if I stay hydrated as much as I have to to function, then I have to like. I don't know what happened to my bladder, but like in the last like year or so, it has shrunk to the size of, I wanna say like a thimble. Like I cannot go anywhere without like, knowing there's a bathroom close by because I'm gonna to have to urinate. I feel like it's always been the case with me. It's always been, I don't know what it is. I remember when my mom used to drive us around. Um, this, I, this, I can't believe this. My mom used to drive us around, like me and my brother, we would go places um she didn't like having to stop and like find a bathroom so she just kept a jar in the car it was called the pee jar and so if we had to relieve ourselves it was like okay kids just uh you know go in the jar and she would like empty it out and rinse it out later and we did this till we were like i remember being a teenager or maybe maybe a preteen and this was like the strategy she was like yeah you know this is this is easier than finding a bathroom um one of my friends was like asking. We were driving in the car and one of my and one of my friends was like, "What's this jar you have back here?" And my mom's like, "It's the pee jar." And you know, my friend was like, "What century are you living in, Jan? Uh to my mom. And uh yeah, I thought that was thought that was funny. But yeah, yeah, so maybe maybe it's just because I never was trained, you know, I was never I never was I never was ever just told to hold it. Just just wait. So now I have like intolerance, so I know. Uh, so the only reason I can make this work is because there's like porta potties over here. Like uh, I can go relieve myself at a moment's notice. Uh, easy peasy. I actually just went over there to do that and I parked right by the, um, porta potty. Kind of in the, uh, little parking lot they got there. And there was a couple of birds, um, like hopping along the concrete a few spaces down. And uh I thought like it was a mating thing, like it looked like the male was like presenting to the female like with with his with his noise, making his mating call. you know he's like running after I could see one of them making a noise running after the other one, the other one's kind of being dodgy, and I was like yeah that's uh that's pretty much that's the way of it. The male chases the female, and the female's like, "Fuck off, no so, <laughs> um anyway, after I got out of the bathroom, I came back to my car, and the two birds were like right by my driver's side. Uh, and and the the noisy one is like looking up at me and like chirping. And uh, I get into the car and like the bird's actually like running up to the door. Like he's, he's standing outside my door and I just kind of held it open and looked down at him. He's like looking up and like yelling at me, doing whatever he's doing. And I was like, I think that's a baby. It's a baby like asking me for food. And I, I was like, I think that's the mother that he's with. So he looked like a grown bird. Like he's a he's an elder baby. Um, but he was just, he's just sitting there uh, begging me for food. This dumb kid has no idea. Like you don't go to humans and ask for food. Or maybe you do, maybe that's what the birds around here have learned. But the, the mom just like looked at me and looked at her son and like took off. It's like, I'm out of here. You know, and the son just kept uh, sitting there like coming closer to me pattering up well it's like you, you're not that smart kid you got a lot to learn you're gonna get yourself killed gonna like feed you alka seltzer well okay i remember hearing this when i was in grade school like you could you could feed alka seltzer to like seagulls and it would kill them because their stomachs would basically explode like they would feel the gas and they would they 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 can't like fart or burp they can't get rid of it anyway so they just their insides basically explode I don't know if that's true. That's one of those things that like I haven't thought about in like since grade school. And now that I'm thinking about it now, I'm like, is the, that can is that true? It's almost a question that's too dumb. I don't want to like, if I meet an ornithologist, I don't want to say like, Oh, I have this question about seagulls. If you feel like that just sounds like a dumb question. It sounds so juvenile. I guess I could Google it. That's what, that's what you do with your juvenile questions. You just Google it. Ah. Anyway. Yeah. You know, I just, I just heard something on the radio when I was driving over here about, uh, this whole pandemic situation and people with dementia. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a, that's a real problem. Uh, I mean, for those of you who don't know, my, my father has cognitive impairment. He's, He's limited in what he can understand and what he can retain long-term. He's, he's not full-blown Alzheimer's yet. Um, he's just been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment, I think is what it's called, which I think is, I think that's basically the umbrella term for we don't know what it is, but something is, something has started. The progression of the decay of the mind is underway. So it, it's not severe enough to be a diagnosable, but something's going on. Um yeah, but but I, the story I heard on the radio is that like you can tell these people that there's a pandemic going on, like there's some sort of virus happening, and then they they don't know what to make of that. they don't understand that it's a it's a virus that's going around killing people that's manageable if you just behave properly, and so it freaks them out like they just remember there's this disease going around, they don't remember that we we've got it somewhat under control. Uh so they they're just freaking out like there's there's something going around killing people it's, it's it's awful. Um anyway, I think I think my dad actually has a sense of what's going on. He knows that they can't leave the house. Um they, they basically yeah, they they can leave to go see my uh my brother and his wife and their new baby. And they do that pretty regularly. I feel like I I get bored from my mother like a couple times a week that they're over there visiting visiting the baby, which is good. I think they should go over there as much as, as much as the, uh, as much as circumstances permit. Uh, yeah, it's it's a shame. I mean, my dad was, um, doing what he could, uh, playing golf, uh, you know, playing bridge. He was able to do quite a few things. I mean, and now that this is hit, he, he really can't do anything. It's just, you stay at home, you puzzle, um, Watch TV. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I guess that's my life. That's everybody's life now. I don't know why I'm sitting here feeling sorry for him. Like that's, I used to do things. Now I can't do any. I can occasionally get up and go to a bookstore, go to the beach, but uh, I mean, there's limits. I'm uh, definitely getting ready to shelter in place for this weekend. I'm going to just make sure I have all the food I need to have like a holiday meal. I'll get some steak or something. Uh, Something like in a crock pot and uh, yeah. Just make sure I'm good for like four days. Uh, Make sure I got enough coffee, everything, everything to last. Um, I got back into those uh, bubbly waters too, like those cans of bubbly water. That was the first thing I sacrificed. I was like, you know what? Going out to buy these things and the way that I consume them, like the rate that I consume them, I mean, this is the first thing I can get rid of because going out and getting these like every couple of days and hauling them back up the stairs like that's just an unnecessary risk like you shouldn't be doing that so i just I just stopped altogether um, but I actually like i i've after my run on Monday, I came, came home and I was like, you know what? I really want some of that bubbly water. I, I really want to just, yeah. So I treated myself to it. I bought a couple cases and I've been basically it was like falling back in love. It was like, where have you been? I forgot that like, it, it's like, like mental acuity, like cognitive ability, um, just this positive mood came back. Like, I, and I don't know if it's just hydration. Like, the thing is, I can drink water. Like, I can drink water all the live long day, and it doesn't have the same effect on me. It, like, really makes me wonder, what the hell is in that stuff? And I know there's been talks about this online. They say the bubbly waters are, they're, they have flavorings in them. Like, they have the essence of lime, if they're lime-flavored, or the essence of of uh, blood orange, if they're blood orange, and so on. Um... But they don't really define what essences are. Like this is not something that is that is regulated. Um so like LaCroix. Um it's like what exactly is in there? What exactly is it essenced with? Oh, flavorings. Really? I feel like they gotta be putting something addictive in there. Like, why wouldn't you do that? If you found some sort of addictive thing that could be classified as an essence You could stick it in these things people are drinking and you want them to keep drinking them. Yeah. No reason you wouldn't. I don't think there's any reason you'd have to. Apparently, like, carbonated water makes you feel like you're quenching your thirst better. Like, psychologically, there's an effect of of the bubbles. Um, Yeah, I gotta say, there's something to that. I definitely feel more refreshed. If I'm uh, drinking the carbonated waters. But, uh, yeah. Maybe I'd get one of those soda. St- I used to have one of those soda stream machines. It's things where you can, um, you know, you have your own water and you just carbonate it yourself. Uh, those worked mostly. Uh, having to like, I would go through them really quickly. So it was a matter of swapping out the canisters with the, the CO2 in them. And, uh, yeah, I got a little tedious having to like go find a bed, bath and beyond and swap those things in and out like every like few weeks or so. What else? I mean, honestly, there's, there's not like a shortage of things to talk about right now, there, but there never really is, uh, I'm going to keep this one short. The car is starting to heat up because it's it's warm out and I didn't want to have the car running while I was doing this. And the sun is just beating down on me. I don't quite feel ready to go down and start jogging, but, you know, soon it's begun. So I'll keep this one short. You know, people do ask me. And by people ask me, I mean nobody's asked me, but I'm going to use that as the lead-in for this particular point that I want to make. People ask me, uh, why exactly do you make your podcast like two to four hours long? Like It seems like the average length for one is like, it's a minimum of 90 minutes, which is like, I guess, the lifetime of my AirPods. The battery life on my airpods like they'll, they'll hold a charge for about 90 minutes while i'm talking and doing one of these things so when they die it's kind of like i have to either wrap it up or i can you know charge them and then resume it after a pause but it's like well, why exactly are you making your podcast so goddamn long it's not like anybody's listening to them and i think that's kind of the point like if you're if you're Three hours and 20 minutes into a four hour podcast. Uh, whatever you say, you can rest assured that nobody is ever going to hear it. So you can kind of like put something out there publicly that you, you know, wouldn't necessarily want to like make front, front and center, like on your Twitter bio. You can, it kind of gives you the freedom to talk about some things that, uh, you know, you wouldn't talk about in any other forum. Um, not to say I'm giving away private dirt or anything, but, you know, there's some things I wouldn't want to shed light on, you know, uh, I wouldn't just want to, like, put them out there publicly, wouldn't hang them on my front door, uh, so it's kind of nice in that way, you can kind of, like, do some kind of confessional, and, uh, yeah, that's why, but anyway, I'm going to keep this one short, I'm going to go down, slather on my sunscreen, and, uh, yeah, do this jog. Bust the sweat, and then go do what I always do after these jogs, and that's get a massive burrito somewhere. Ah. Oh. They have been reopening things. This was this is actually just to contextualize when this is. Um, the last uh, last week, I think. Maybe it was the weekend before. I Yeah, it was last week because it's late in the week now. I just have no sense of time anymore. Without a job, it's just like the days are just, they're just days. I have no sense of what is a weekday anymore or how much time is going by. Uh, Yeah, so last weekend they were like, okay, we're going to start reopening things. Or maybe it was like the beginning of the week before that. Anyway, they realized last weekend, oh, no, no, like this is not good. We reopened and now the virus is spiking all over the place, you know, so they're, they're making plans to like lock stuff back down again. Um, which is probably a smart thing to do. I wonder how much of that is like, how much of that is, is like the fact that we reopened and the fact that, um, I mean, as compared to the fact that there's a whole faction of people out there who seem to believe that this virus is not real. I actually think that's uh kind of surprising. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm skeptical of journalism um, as much as the next person. Actually, maybe not as much as the next person. I don't know how skeptical the average person is anymore. I don't know who the... I don't think there is an average person anymore. People are just like at weird extremes all over the place. And if you average them, you're going to get something that nobody actually is, which is kind of true anyway. It's hard to look at people in the aggregate. But people are just so out there in all different places. Uh, but yeah, I'm skeptical of the news. Honestly, here's what I think about fake news. I'll go into this a little bit right now. Fake news is, I understand why people say fake news. Uh, to the extent that any issue that is worth covering, that is, is important you know, to people, to the public, and should be covered by journalism, it's probably not something you can simplify down to, like, a single article that somebody's going to read. You can throw ads on and, you know, hope that enough people will get it to, like, be able to reimburse the person who wrote it. Whatever the model is for journalism now, it's it's completely screwed. Um, In order to, like, put that story out, you have to, of necessity, make simplifying assumptions. The simplifying assumptions might look like omissions. They're, like... They're not fabrications, that's the thing. Like, you do find fabrications in some place, but I don't think those are prevalent in the major news media. I think that there's just, there is a narrative that has to be kept to, and I think it's, it's a simplification of what's really going on with anything. And so you can look at that and say, well, it's more complicated than that. They're leaving out this other piece, so therefore, it's not, it's a, because it's not complete, it's not right, and because it's not right, it must be a fabrication. That is, I think, the logic there. So to the extent that, that like that's going on, to the extent that we make simplifying, uh, like reductive points in journalism, I think that that can very easily be extrapolated by the average person and just called fake news. Like that's not accurate. Um, so yeah, I, I think that most of what you read in news articles, it's like, yeah, okay, that is simple. That's a simple way of making the point, and you try to cover both sides of it you know as best you can, but uh, there's almost always something missing, and that 's why I think the whole fake news thing comes out but I mean the extreme war too now, uh, where somebody says the virus is fake, or you know there is a virus, but its lethality has been drastically overstated, and basically the what is it they're they're just trying to lock us down so they can like keep us in in indoors like it's an exercise in population control i don't know like i there there's a whole variety like like any conspiracy theory there's not like there's consensus on the side of like the conspiracy theorists all have different theories about who's doing this who's in charge why they're doing it, the tactics that they're using. You know, it's it's not like they, they agree, like people just sort of come up with a story that they like, uh, OK, that's that's the version of the truth I'm going to support. That's how you can spot conspiracy theories. I think it's one of the ways so is when the narratives you're hearing around a, a kind of a singular idea um, clustered around one idea, they're, they're not like in line with each other, not even close. The whole idea that there is a virus and we should stay indoors and keep our faces covered when we're out and practice social distancing like that's that's the the official story that i hear and that's uh because that's what the medical organizations are saying and because really that has not changed much in the last few months i think it's pretty safe to assume that that's something closely approximating the truth i would say it's it's you know it's effectively the truth even if it's maybe a little imprecise the fact that there's all these ideas going around, the virus is fake. We can't say why why people are like making up that story. Who's doing it? Like that's okay. You guys all need to get together in a room, figure this out and then come back to me when you have the official story. Maybe I'll believe you, the virus is fake. But I mean, the extreme of this, the, the idea that, uh, okay, what was the number I just heard? I think the number I heard on the radio like yesterday morning on NPR is that officially like 125,000 people have died. And so far, there have been 10 million cases reported worldwide. Um, Just take the death number. 125,000 people in the United States died from this, which I don't know what the number of cases is, but that's, I, I don't know. I guess... The question is, is it more lethal than the normal flu? I don't think it even matters if it's more lethal than the normal flu because the normal flu has a cost in and of itself. every year, people die, it takes a toll on our healthcare industry. like it's not like the flu is nothing. We've just learned how to live with it um, and we pay for it in various ways. Um, so even if it is not more lethal than the uh, you know regular flu. This coronavirus, the novel coronavirus, uh, I still don't think it makes sense to just sort of dismiss it and say, well, you know, we just have to learn to live with it. It's here and uh, we don't have to like work on fighting it. It's probably a kind of a dumb uh, approach to it. But back to the whole conspiracy theory, news media and so on and so forth. 125,000 people in the United States have died, is what I'm hearing from National Public Radio, their national newscast, yesterday morning. Are we ready to believe that that number was just made up? Really? Somebody somebody just wrote that number down and stuck it in front of a journalist. Like somebody in the White House is like, yeah, this is the number. You know, um, just report that. It's extremely exaggerated, but that's, like, if you real if you think that that level of deception is going on, that level of collusion between politicians and the journalists, if, if you think that that's just an outright lie, a massive exaggeration, why are you, I don't understand the cognitive dissonance you can have there. I don't, I don't understand why what. Like, what compartmentalization is required. Like, to believe that and to go on just sort of operating in your normal day-to-day life, whatever normal looks like now, I guess it's not normal really for any of us. Yeah, I don't get it. This is why I... uh, I I, I can't believe that... I'm pretty sure there is deception in the media. Of course there is. And it's, you know, it's not... I don't think it's the fault of any one thing. I haven't actually looked into this. I'm just kind of guessing, you know, but there's been a lot of talk about what journalism ought to be, to what extent, you know, the journalism in the United States is falling short of what journalism's ideal is, the platonic ideal of a, of a journalist. I don't actually know. I don't know what the philosophy of journalism is um, to be a check on political power. Probably has a limited probably can only do that in a limited fashion to the extent that like news media is now uh, you know all tied up in in corporate uh, organizations like Jeff Bezos owning the Washington Post and I'm not saying that that means that uh, there's going to be deception going on I'm not saying like Jeff Bezos is coordinating with the White House you know or the whoever whoever's in charge of the Washington Post but Once you have the institutions sort of in play, like once you have corporations own the media and like the politicians are in bed with the corporations, like once that whole thing is kind of in place, then the, the, the journalism, journalism's role in being able to act as a check on political power is. It's going to be somewhat limited. It's not going to be absolute, is I think what I would say. And that doesn't have to be by design. That would just be something that emerges. Uh, in this kind of system. Um, yeah, that's what I think. That's my, that's my, the extent I can do conspiracy theories is just because I believe that, uh, people are not angels. People have angels in them, they have demons in them too, and sometimes the demons manifest, and I think that's why, uh, that's why there's, been such a breakdown in public trust, and I think that actually is the I think that is the problem. If there's a lesson I'm taking away from this whole pandemic thing, is that in the United States there is, there there has been a massive breakdown in the public trust. We we do not trust people leading our institutions anymore. We do not trust people in authority. And I think I think we're paying for that now. Uh, if the charts online are right, it looks like coronavirus has been. The cases have gone down significantly. They've been brought under control in a lot of other countries. In the United States, we just sort of went down in this valley and then we've spiked back up. Um, Yeah, I would say that's because we we don't, uh, I don't know, don't believe in each other. We don't believe what people in charge tell us. And that's what I've learned from this whole pandemic thing is that there's been a massive breakdown in public trust. And that is. In a situation like this, that is something you pay for dearly. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening uh, out there. I hope you're doing well, whoever whoever you are, if you're listening Uh, until next time. Take care of yourself. Um, We're going to get through this together. And yeah, be well.